Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Let's read the text. Or do you not know, brethren, for, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she, is married, she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in, the mem- in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. For past several weeks, we've been studying the, the doctrine of, of justification by, by faith alone. That we, as members of the body of Christ, those who have faith in Christ, who trust in what he accomplished for us on the cross as far as our sins placed upon him and his righteousness placed upon us, we believe wholeheartedly by the full authority of Scripture that we are saved by faith in what Christ has done for us and, and, and that alone. That is not of work so that nobody would ever be able to boast, but it's, it's by grace that we're saved. It's a gift that comes from God through faith. And, and that we are no longer under the law as far as being in bondage to the law. And in, in chapter 6, verse 15, he, he asks a question, what then, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? And the, the answer is, certainly not. And so the Holy Spirit knows that, that when we study this particular doctrine of justification by faith alone, meaning that, once again, we, we are saved not based upon how well we are living or how much we are are in obedience to the law, but totally and completely by faith in what Christ has done on the cross for us, that based upon that doctrine, there are going to be those who say, should we sin then? I mean, if, if I'm not under the law anymore, but under grace, can I just live the way that I want to live? The temptation that would be there to say, okay, he, he's going to forgive it. He'll he tells us that, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, therefore, when I am surrounded by temptation and all these things are coming my way, I can give in and just sin because I'm under grace, not under the law anymore. And so the question is given, should we sin? Should we do that? And the response is absolutely not, certainly not. God forbid, no. Don't think that way. 
And he gives a number of reasons for that, but we come now to chapter 7, and we're continuing on in, in, in this. He, he asks a question to them, or do you not know, brethren? Don't, don't you know? For I speak to those who know the law. I'm, I'm speaking to those who understand the law of, of the Old Testament, understand what God has said as far as thou shalt not, or thou shalt do these things. The law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. And then he gives an illustration in marriage. When we, when we do weddings, part of the vows that, that are given is for as long as you both shall live. For as long as we both shall live. Because once one of the members within a marriage dies, they're, they're no longer bound by that covenant to continue in it but they're freed from that at that particular point. And Scripture makes it clear that it's okay to remarry, encourages young widows to remarry. And so he gives the illustration, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. And so that's the illustration that Paul gives us, saying, we are no longer bound by the law anymore. We're no longer under the law. The reason why is because Christ has come. Now, you think about the Old Testament, you think about God's people and being under the law. It, it was that which they were to embrace and that they were to strive for, that they were to long to obey. Turn with me for a moment to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. It says here, now this is the commandment now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. That you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you. You and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. These commandments that God had given, the law in which God had given, God is saying, memorize it. Talk about it. 
Raise your children up to know the law, what it is to please him. You should obey these commandments, keep his statutes and his commandments. You, your sons, your grandsons, all the days of your life. Keep them. And you watch God's people. And and do they keep them? No. Turn with me for a moment to, to, to Jeremiah chapter 2. Do a little survey through parts of, of Jeremiah, and we'll see how God's people are doing it, keeping the law. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 1. If you don't have your Bible with you, there's Bibles under the pews that you can grab. Jeremiah chapter 2. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord. He says, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness and in a land not sown. I remember you. I remember how you just trusted me and you went out after me. We first got married when you first fell in love with me. He says, Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. Then he says, hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what injustice have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? Well, what did they see in me, God says? What was it that they saw that made them go after other gods, become idolaters. In verse 6, it says, Neither did they say, Where is the Lord, who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through the land of deserts and pits, through a land of, of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt? I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness, but when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and, and walked after things that do not profit. So they went far from me. They weren't obeying the commandments that had been given. In verse 11 it says, Has a nation changed its gods which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. Be astonished, O heavens, at this. Be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. They've hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. He says in verse 22, For though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord. How can you say I'm not polluted? I have not gone after the bales. See your way in the valley. Know what you have done. For you are a swift dromedary breaking loose in her ways. A wild donkey used to the wilderness that sniffs at the wind in her desire in her time of mating. Who can turn her away? All those who seek her will not weary themselves. In her month they will not find her. He says you, just, you, you are going after other gods. It's all throughout the book in, in chapter 
In chapter 2, verse 32, he says, Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. In chapter 3, verse 12, he calls them to return. Return, O backsliding Israel, says the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity that you've transgressed against the Lord your God. You've scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Return, O backsliding Israel, says the Lord, for I am married to you. The people, the people sinned. The people were under the law, and yet God says, you went so far from me. You didn't care at all what it was to please me. He tells them, That those who were in charge, the priests, just failed to teach the word. They didn't know him. And all throughout the book, you'll find this, where he, he tells them, you're desperately wicked. He tells them in, in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, test, I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. You guys have sinned over and over and over and over again. And so they were called to keep the law. But did they? No. They failed over and over again in all areas. And so you see that that God's promising them in this particular book, Hope. Turn with me to Jeremiah to chapter 23 for just a moment. He's pointing ahead to Christ who is to come. And he says here, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment in the righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteousness. You take all of the Old Testament, and you take the law, and you see what God says, do these things. Here's all the things that you're to do. And then you look at the people, and they just fail over and over and over again in all areas. And the hope comes in Jeremiah 23, where he just says, Messiah is going to come. The Messiah is going to come and he will be called the Lord our righteousness. A righteousness that comes apart from the law, as far as our keeping of the law, but one who would come who would fulfill all of the law, one who would be our righteousness, one who would fulfill all these things. Now go with me to to Jeremiah 31, 31. It says here, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant which, that I will make with them, with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. 
I'll put my laws in their minds. I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Now, let's turn back with that in mind to Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, beginning now in, in verse 4, it says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. You also, just like the woman who is no longer bound to her husband because he's died, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. Let's think about this for a second. How did that, how did that happen? You, you go to the cross. You picture Christ fulfilling all righteousness. He, he fulfilled all righteousness. He always did those things that pleased the Father. Every bit of the law, every bit of what God had commanded. Loving the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. Every bit of the law, he fulfilled. The law which, which we were under, which brought death, which condemned us. The law which we were under that made it so that, that the wages of that sin was death and, and a separation from God for all eternity what he has done was he fulfilled all of the law as he, as he lived here on earth and as he died on the cross so that we were no longer under the law because he took it all upon himself. He fulfilled it all so that we no longer had that, that, that bondage that we were under. It affects us in the most incredible way because when, when you look at our lives and you, you think of the law and you think of how much you have broken the law of God, the failure every single day that we have to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength, to be able to have that over us, to be able to, to hear God say like he did in Jeremiah, I was a husband to you, but you went after other gods. You, you played the harlot. You did all of these other things. You did not keep my law. You did not obey my law. And then to hear God say that he kept all of the law, he fulfilled all of the law so that we wouldn't have to. He became the Lord our righteousness, meaning that he he kept it all and then he's taken all of his righteousness and placed it upon our account and then made it so that we no longer were bound by the law as far as in slavery to the law where the wages that would be would be death for us because he died for us he took it upon himself so that that we no longer would be in that place ever ever again he tells us Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. Those words are so powerful to us because what that tells us is that we're no longer in that place of being dead under the law. If the wages of sin is death and under the law comes death, we're no longer in that place anymore. 
so that you could be married to another. Who is the other? It's Christ. You've been, you've been married to him. To him who was raised from the dead that we should bear fruit to God. Now you remember the question that came up, what then should we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Absolutely not. The, the question continues here and he, he's saying you're, you're no longer under the law but you're dead to the law. You're married to Christ so that you should bear fruit to God. So that the fruit that would come out of your life would be pleasing unto him. You, you weren't married to another so that you could live for sin. You weren't married to another so that you could be right back into that place again of, of just disobedience after disobedience, breaking of the law after breaking of the law, living in, in a way where you were doing whatever was right in your own eyes. He says, you, you were died to the law when Christ died on that cross so that you could be married to another. That you should bear fruit to God. For, verse 5, when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. When you were unbelievers, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in your members to bear fruit to death. That was the result. Our little girl, Natalie, she's just two years old. And over the last couple months, she gets a whole lot more than she did before. You, you can tell her things and she'll know, like, okay, I can't do that. And so we, we tell her, Natalie, no. And rather than just quickly submitting to what we tell her, her new thing over the last couple of months when we say, Natalie, no, she responds by saying, no say, no say yes. <laughs> it happens all the time. No, no say, no say yes. And whatever it is that you tell her, Natalie, no, don't do that. No say, no say yes. Before, she didn't understand all the things. And so we could try to tell her, Natalie, no. But as a scapegoat, she had that, I'm a newborn. I don't get what you're saying. Now she gets it, at least a lot better. But you can see her heart. Her heart is, you made the law. I don't like the law. I want to do what I want to do. And we all know that because that's how we are as well. It's still within us, isn't it? I, I woke up this morning just a little bit like my heart was racing and a little bit of a panic. And the reason why is because I, I go through soccer games in my head sometimes when I'm dreaming at night, like entire games. If I didn't, I wouldn't get any exercise at all. So I, I, <laughs> I go through an entire games in, in my mind sometimes. And this one did not go well. And so I was, I, was, I was having it out with the referee a little bit in this game. And I woke up and I was just frustrated and mad at the ref and... 
And I just thought, no say, no say, yes. It's still, <laughs> it's still in me. And God tells us here in, in, in this passage that that's, that's what it was like when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. That was the direction that we were going. That's what came out of our lives. But now, I read from, from one commentator who said, if, if the words in Scripture, but now, don't, don't excite us, he says, I, I don't know that we're Christians. When you see that little phrase, but now, it always changes everything for us. We, we were going in a direction of bearing fruit to death, but now we've been delivered from the law. You've been delivered. Having died to what we were held by. So that we should serve in newness of life or newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. But now you've been delivered from the law. Those words are full of force for us. You've been delivered from the law. All the commandments that God has given all throughout Scripture. Saying, you shall do this, you shall not do this. You you, you take the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You take just those commandments alone and brothers and sisters, if we're honest, we, we have to admit that we don't keep that commandment. I mean, we, we fail daily to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Every time we sin, we, we show that, that we love that thing more than we love him, that we treasure that more than we're treasuring him. And to think that the result of that means eternity apart from him, eternity in hell, being cast away from his glory and being in a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth because we failed in keeping the law. To read verses like, but now you've been delivered from the law. But now you're, you're no longer in that place of shackles underneath the law as far as all that the law has told us thou shalt do these things because you've died to what you were held by when did that happen when Christ died Christ died on the cross we died to being in that place of being under the law so that now we're in a place where the law has been fulfilled completely in Christ And he kept every part of the law perfectly. Without any spot, without any blemish, he was blameless. He always did the things that pleased the Father. So that when he died on the cross, having fulfilled all of the law and fulfilled all righteousness, that all was placed upon us to where we died to the law because he fulfilled it all. And all of his righteousness was placed upon our account to where Paul's making a point that you're not under the law anymore. You've died to the law. You've been freed from the law. 
But now something has radically changed. Now, how should our minds work with this? Should we hear something like that and say, okay, good, then I can do what I want to do. I can sin that grace may abound because I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. He fulfilled all of the law. There's nothing that I could ever do to earn his favor. All of his righteousness has been placed upon my account so that I can sin now. And I'm not under the law anymore. Should we think that way? And the response that Paul gives over and over again is absolutely not. Read the next few words with me here. So having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. You died to the law so that you now would serve with a whole different mentality. You now would serve in the newness of the spirit. You remember just reading a moment ago from Jeremiah 31 of the new covenant that would come. God says, I'll make a new covenant with you. Not the one that I made with your fathers. The one that they broke. But here's the new covenant that I'm going to make with you. I'll put my law in your minds. I'll put it in your minds. I'll I'll write it on your hearts. I'll be your God and you're going to be my people. No longer is it going to be where everybody's saying, know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord. For you'll, you'll know me. From the least of them to the greatest. From the least educated person to the most educated person. From the youngest person to the oldest person. From the, the person who just became a believer to the person who's been a believer for 50 years. You'll know me. From the least of them to the greatest. And I'll forgive your iniquity. Your sins I'll remember no more. He says in Jeremiah 32, he says, they'll they'll be my people. I'll be their God. I'll give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. I'll make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good. I'll put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Yes, I'll rejoice over them to do them good, and I'll surely plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. I'm gonna, you're going to enter into a new covenant, and I will never stop doing good to you, and I will make it so you will not depart from me. I'll leave the 90 and 9, and I'll go get the one that went astray, and, and I will chasten those that I love. I began a good work in you, and I'll be faithful to complete it to the very end. You're under the new covenant, and I will make it so that you know me. He, he tells us about the new covenant more in Ezekiel in chapter 11, verse 19, where he says, I'll give them one heart, and I'll put a, a new spirit within them. I'll take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I'll give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people, and I'll be their God. In verse, chapter 36, verse 26, he says, I'll, I'll give them a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you and I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you'll keep my judgments and do them 
and then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I'll be your God. He tells us under the new covenant things have changed. The Holy Spirit comes within us, and he makes us a new creation in him, and he convicts us of sin, and he writes his things on our hearts. There's a change that's taken place. All of our sins have been removed. We're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. We're in a place where we now serve in a totally different way. We're not serving in any kind of way to try to earn favor with him, to obey the law as if we're still in slavery to it and we're still in bondage to it, but we serve in newness of spirit knowing that he fulfilled all of the law and he gave us all of his righteousness and he's performed all these things to us and he's placed, given us a, a totally different heart that we would serve him. So should we sin that grace might abound? The answer is absolutely not because he, he put us in this place under the new covenant that we would bear fruit to God. That we would serve in the newness of the spirit. Not the oldness of the letter. Not as if we were still in bondage. But in the newness of the spirit. A change that's occurred under the new covenant. I think of, of God's law. We read at the men's fellowship yesterday um, and studied from Proverbs 6. And in that, in that passage, God tells us things that he hates. He tells us, I'll just read them to you. They're probably familiar to most of you. Six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. It's the law. He hates these things. He still hates these things today. He still hates the proud look. He still hates a lying tongue. He still hates it when there's those that, that shed innocent blood. He still hates the heart that devises wicked plans. It just plans how it can do wickedly. He still hates those who have feet who are quick and swift to run towards evil. He still hates those who, who are false witnesses who speak lies. And he still hates the one who sows discord among the brethren, the person that comes into the church and causes discord, causes division to occur. He hates that. He still hates these things. The difference is, is that at this place, we hate these things too because we love him. We hate these things because we desire to please him. We hate these things because we desire to live for him. His Holy Spirit convicts us of these things. That proud look. The shedding of innocent blood. Discord amongst the brethren. We, we hate these things too. But it's in the newness of the spirit it's in a place where we desire to obey God's law, not because we're under the law, but because we are totally and completely 
in love with him. Because we have been freed from the law. Because we have been saved from sin. Because we have been saved from the wrath of God. And the result is we love him. We serve him not in that oldness of the letter. But in the newness of the spirit. Just a desire to please him. It's a change that has occurred. Look at the consistency of this throughout Scripture. In Galatians 3, it says, No one's justified by the law on the sight of God, for the just shall live by faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For his written curses, everyone who hangs on the tree, he fulfilled it all. This new covenant in which we have been talking about, this new covenant that makes it so that now at, at this particular time, there's a change that has occurred in us to where, to where we are able to bear fruit to God, to where we serve in newness of the Spirit. It was, it was instituted to us when Christ died on the cross for us. About ready to partake in communion. Pastor Bill will lead us in that. But we see in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three where Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's the new covenant. It's a new covenant. We've entered into a new covenant in which we serve in a totally different way. The last thing that we want to be as a church is a legalistic church. The last thing that we want to be as a church is to place ourselves back under the law as if we have to fulfill all of the law. The place that we want to be is in that place of realizing that he fulfilled all the law. He fulfilled all of it. We're no longer indebted to it. We're no longer slaves to it, but we desire to serve him now. The law that's given as far as thus says the Lord, these are the things that you should do. We still desire to do those things. We still desire to honor him. We still desire to live for him. But there's a change that it's occurred. It's in the newness of the spirit. It's under the new covenant. It's with a new heart, a heart of a flesh. It's, it's with the Holy Spirit's enabling. It's in a, a place where we do it joyfully. We give joyfully. We serve him joyfully. We worship him joyfully. think in this particular passage the point is incredibly clear to us as far as why it is that we should no longer think in such a way of sinning that grace might abound you've been married to another love them you're not married to the law anymore you've been married to another and it's Christ love him the examples given in Ephesians as far as husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church. He says, I am a husband to you. Love me. I'm married to you. 
love me. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Romans chapter 7. I pray, Lord, that um, you would enable us, your people, to joyfully serve you. God, help us not to live in a way in which we just sin and sin and say that we're not under the law anymore, but we're under grace. But help us to still love the law, love your word, love what it is that pleases you. But most importantly, love you and desire to honor you and to please you in every area of our life. May so much fruit come out of our lives. Not because we find ourselves so under the law, but because we find ourselves under grace. May we be so joyful for phrases like, but now. And may it stir our hearts and ignite us to just passionately live for you joyfully serve you. May we we think about commandments like you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all our strength. And God, may it be that within us here, your people at Reverence Bible Church, may we joyfully love you like that. Desire to honor you in every area of our lives because we love you. We just are in love with you. May we recognize our new position as far as no longer being under the law and may it just take this weight off us and cause us to just run to our bridegroom and live for you all the days of our lives. And may we partake in communion now joyfully knowing that it is the new covenant, the new covenant of your blood. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.